Chapter twenty four of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Ferrard. Chapter twenty four. After you, monsieur. Jim had no desire to create a sensation among his friends at the old red house, but as he left the pine grove, all his instincts led him to flee in another direction he did not fully realize just what had happened to him but he was conscious of having received a very hard jolt indeed the house full of happy associations as it was was just now too tantalizing a place aleck had won out and he and melanie were radiating that peculiar kind of lover's joy which shines on the eve of matrimony jim wished them well none better but he also wished they wouldn't make such a fuss over these things get it done and out of the way and the less said about it the better in fact jim's buoyant and sunny spirit went into eclipse he lost his holiday ardor and trudged over the hill and into the shore road in a state of extreme dejection but he lingered on the way diverted almost against his will by the sight of fishing smacks putting in to harbor an island steamer rounding a distant cliff and the seagull lying motionless just within the breakwater women may be unkind but a ship is a ship after all one cannot nurse the pain even of a shattered heart when running before a stiff wind with the spinnaker set and an open sea ahead the thought decided him the sea should be his bride jim did not stop to arrange at the moment just how this should be brought about but his determination was none the less firm he became sentimental to the extent of reflecting vaguely that this was but philosophic justice the sea had not conquered him far from it neither should she conquer him he would follow the sea the path of glamour the home of the winged foot and the vanishing sail the road to alien and mysterious lands thus jimmy in reaction from the arctic douche to which his emotional self had been suggested he was figuratively speaking blue with the cold but trying valiantly to warm himself as he gazed at the seagull asleep on the flood tide cutting a gallant figure in the glowing sunset he felt an overmastering longing to be aboard he would stay on the yacht until chamberlain came at least possibly all night having made up his mind on this point james persuaded himself that he felt better philosophy is a friend in need after all why should one failure in getting one's desires crush the spirit he would make a right about face travel for a year on a sailing vessel see the world that was it hang the shoe business immersed in mental chaos such as these fragments of thought suggest jim did not perceive that he was being overtaken until a slow greeting came to his ears good evening friend it was the deliberate wide-eyed youth of the reading-room ah good evening if you are on your way to the sailor's reading-room i wish to inform you that i have been obliged to lock up for to-night on account of an urgent errand at the village jimmy stared vacantly for a moment at the pale washed-out countenance of his interlocutor i thought i'd tell you the youth went on in his copy-book style so as to save your taking the long walk i am the librarian of the reading-room 
ah thank you but i wasn't going to the reading-room to-night i am on my way to the village well there's a large majority of people do go to the reading-room first and last the youth explained with pride and some of them are not worthy of its privileges i am on my way now to prevent what may be a frightful accident to one who has enjoyed the benefits of our work jim gazed at the youth a frightful accident then why in heaven's name don't you hurry the youth exhibited a slightly injured air but did not hasten i was just about to continue on my way he said when it occurred to me that you might be interested to know that's good of you but what is it all about some time ago a very profane and impatient gentleman waiting for money to be telegraphed to him from new york well man go on where is he i know nothing about the movements of this ungodly person but it appears that to-day for the first time in its history the quarry up yonder has been robbed circumstances led the manager to suspect that this same gentleman was the perpetrator of the theft and i am on my way to further the ends of justice no need to be so particular about calling him a gentleman but what is the accident likely to be it is feared that the thief may not be aware of the nature of the article he has stolen and it is very dangerous what on earth is it it is a fairly large-sized stick of dynamite the youth might have been discussing a fancy dance so suave and polite was he jim interrupted rudely dynamite is it good if it's old chatelard he ought to blow up serve him right i'm surprised and pained at your words my dear friend no soul is utterly yes it is which way did he go where is he i don't know the manager sent me to inform the sheriff it won't do any good but you'd better go all the same the judge in chancery went on his dignified way he would not have hurried if he had heard angel gabriel's trump the news he had brought was in the class to be considered important if true but there was nothing in it to alter jimmy's plans he took the shortest cut to the shore found a flat-bottomed punt that was regarded by the village as general property and pushed off the seagull was a tidy craft and looked very gay with even the half of her festival flags on view but the gaiety did not beguile jim's dampened spirits he went aboard feeling that he'd like to rip the idiotic things down but the yacht at least offered a place where he could think the sunset light on the water blazed vermilion just the color that jim all at once discovered he hated he looked down the companionway but finally he decided to stretch out on deck for a few minutes rest he was very tired off in the stern was a vague mass which proved to be a few yards of canvas carefully tented on the floor some gimcrack belonging to the ship's ornamentation had been freshly gilded and left to dry protected by an old sailcloth this weighed down by a rusty marlin spike spread couchwise along the taffrail and offered to jim just the bed he longed for he lay down face to the sky and gave himself up to thoughts that were very dark indeed he had been thrown down unexpectedly and quite hard and that was all there was to it agatha lovely but inexplicable maid was not for him she had been deceptive yes that was the word 
and he had been a fool that was the plain truth he might as well face it at once he had been idiot enough to think he might win the girl just because they had been tossed together in mid-ocean and she had clung to him the world wasn't an ocean it was a spiritual stock exchange where he who would win must bid very high indeed for the prizes of life and he had so little to bid communing thus with his unhappiness jim utterly lost the sense of time the shameless vermilion sunset went into second morning and thence to dun's gray before the figure on the sailcloth moved then through senses only half awake jim heard a light sound like a scratch scratch on the hull of the yacht chamberlain no doubt just rubbing the nose of his tender against the seagull jim was in no hurry to see chamberlain and remained where he was the englishman would heave in sight soon enough but though jim waited several minutes with half an eye cocked on the stairway nobody appeared the wind was still the sea like glass not a sound anywhere struck by something of strangeness in the uncanny silence jim sat up and called ahoy chamberlain there was no answer but in the tense stillness there was a sound and it came from below the sound of a man's stealthy tread jim sprang to his feet and made the companionway at a bound he listened an instant to make sure that he heard true cleared the steps and landed in the darkness of the ship's saloon as he groped along reaching for the door of the principal cabin the blackness suddenly lighted a little and a dim shadow shot out and up the stairway jim's physical senses were scarcely cognizant of the soft quick passing but his thumbs pricked he dashed after the shadow up the stairs out on deck and aft there he was chatelard armed facing his enemy once more cool but not smiling desperately at bay below him riding just under the stern of the yacht was the tender whose scratch scratch had awakened jim a man oars in hand was holding the boat close to the seagull jim saw all this during the seconds between his turning at the stair-top and his throwing himself plump against the figure by the railing he was quick enough to pass the range of the weapon whose shot rang out in the clear air but he was not quick enough to get under the man's guard chatelard was ready for him holding his weapon high as he pressed forward jim felt something under his foot he ducked quickly as if to dodge chatelard's hand and on the downward swing he picked up the rusty marlinspike it was a weapon of might indeed jim's blow caused chatelard's arm to drop limp and nerveless but in gaining his enemy's weapon jim was forced to drop his own he put a firm foot upon the spike however while he held chatelard at arm's length and looked into his face so we meet once more after all he cried and once more i have the pistol even as jim spoke his adversary made a spring that almost enabled him to seize the weapon again jim eluded his clutch and quick as thought threw the gun overboard it struck far out on the smooth water it was a sorry thing to do as it proved for chatelard watching his chance stooped wrenched the spike from under jim's foot and once more stood defiantly at bay and at this point he opened his thin lips for one remark you go to hell now you pig of an american but after you monsieur jim cried 
and with the words his arms were about the other in a paralyzing grip had jim been as strong as when the two men measured forces weeks before in the forecastle of the jeanne d'arc the result might have been different but the struggle was too long and jim's strength insufficient chatelard freed himself from his antagonist sufficiently to wield the spike somewhere about jim's head and there came over him a sickening consciousness that he was going down he dropped hanging like a bulldog to chatelard's knees but he knew he had lost the game he gathered himself momentarily determined to get on his feet once more and had almost done it when sounds of approaching voices mingled with the scuffle of their feet and their quick breathing before jim could see what new thing was happening chatelard had turned for one alert instant over the port side whence the invading voices came he was cut off from the stairway caught in the stern of the yacht his weapon gone he gave a quick call in a low voice to the boat below stepped over the taffrail and then leapt overboard propped up on an elbow dazed and half blinded blood flowing down his cheek jim stretched forward dizzily as if to follow his disappearing enemy he heard the splash of the water and saw the rowboat move out from under the stern but he saw no more he thought it must have grown very dark blessed if he didn't jump overboard hanging on to that marlin spike said jim stupidly to himself and then it became quite dark when jimsy regained sight and consciousness which happened not more than three minutes after he lost them he found himself supported affectionately against somebody's shoulder and a voice the voice of all voices he most loved was in his ears here i am dear do not die i have come come to stay if you want me james dearest and bending over him was a face the very vision of his dream look at me speak to me james dear the voice was a bit hysterical but the face was eloquent loving adoring it was too good to be true though jim was disposed to let the illusion prolong itself as far as possible he put up his hand and smoothed her face gently in gratitude at seeing it kind once more then he smiled foolishly it's great isn't it he remarked inanely before thinking it necessary to remove his head her face was still the face of tenderness full of yearning it did not change she took a handkerchief from her pocket and carefully pressed it to his cheek and chin when she took it away he saw that it was red lord what a mess i'm making he exclaimed trying at last to sit up as he did so it all came back to him the flying shadow the gun this struggle he leaned over to peer again through the crossed wires of the deck railing down into the water he turned back with an amazed expression did he jump overboard honest true hanging on to that spike neither alec nor agatha could say nor yet mr chamberlain who had been searching the yacht wherever it was the rusty marlin spike had disappeared the rowboat too had gone into the darkness jim got up dazedly thinking for a moment that it was necessary for him to give up chase but he quickly sat down on the sailcloth again overcome with faintness and a dark pall before his eyes you are not hurt badly the voice was still tender and it was all for him as jim heard it the pall lifted and his buoyant spirit came back to its own he laughed ringingly lord no not hurt but but what what did you wish to say 
is it true are you here by me to stay for answer she pressed his hand to her lips aleck and chamberlain once assured that jim was safe went below to make a search and jim and agatha were left together on the sailcloth as they sat there a young moon shone out delicately in the west and dropped quickly down after the lost sun it's the first moon we've seen together said jim but we've watched the dawn ah yes and such a dawn little by little as they sat together the story of the fight came out jim told it bit by bit not eager when it was done agatha was still puzzled why should he come here what could he do here i don't know though we shall probably find out soon enough but i don't care now that you are here james dear will you forgive me for this afternoon i'll forgive you if you'll take it all back hide hoofs and horns wherever and ever amen i take it back i never meant it then may one ask why oh james i don't know why anybody could have told them that it was only a phase of feminine panic in the face of the unknown necessary as sneezing but as jim said it didn't matter never mind only i don't want you to marry me because you found me here all bluggy and pitied me james to talk like that you know it wasn't then what was it jim suddenly grown serpent-like in craft turned his well-known ingenuous and innocent expression upon her the moment you left me up there in the pine grove i knew i couldn't do without you how did you know because yes because jim prompted her oh jimsy you know no i don't agatha loving his teasing but too deeply moved too generous and sincere to play the coquette turned to him again a face shining with tenderness her eyes like stars her lips all sweetness only love james dear something rose again in jimmy's soft heart choking him as he had thrilled to the unknown ecstasy in agatha's song many days before so now he thrilled to her voice and face eloquent for him alone love and its power life and its meaning the long long thoughts of youth and hope and desire these held him in thrall agatha was in his arms time was lost to him and earth End of chapter twenty four